Hello, and welcome back to Podcast 27. I'm your host, Haley, and this is an episode surrounding National Beer Day and National Alcohol Screening Day. So I was going to record this and post it on the 7th of April, which are both of those holidays, but I'm recording it now, and I'm just going to go ahead and release it um, in the event that any of the other podcasts have an episode to release that day. And I don't know how this week is going to go. So I don't know if I'm going to record again this week. So let's just let's just go. Before we dive into this topic, I want to make a little blanket statement. Um, I've done an episode about doing the dry month challenges where we take a break from alcohol for a month or any extended amount of time. Um, I openly talk about my own dependency issues with alcohol in real life, real life, real time. Not sure I've really gone in depth on the podcast with it, but I'm super aware of that issue in itself with me. And I am not advocating one way or the other for alcohol consumption or lack of. I know that surrounding the topic of alcohol consumption, there are different views from everyone, whether it be the viewpoint of alcohol is poison and we are not meant to consume this or life is short, drink what you want, however you want, whenever you want, whatever. I personally listen to a ton of sobriety podcasts as well as shows that highlight different alcoholic beverages. And however you feel about alcohol and your relationship with alcohol is totally fine. It's totally okay. I'm not a licensed professional. I'm just merely highlighting this particular holiday because it's an important topic to bring awareness to, I think. So if you listen to the show or you know me personally, you've probably heard me talk about my ups and downs with my own relationship with alcohol and my efforts and slip ups with maintaining a healthier relationship with the drinks. Um, a lot of people have a totally normal friendship with alcohol and a lot of people don't. The addiction gene runs strong in my family and as I've evaluated my own usage in the past couple of years, I've had an adventure, if you will, with trying to make this decision of should I work towards an alcohol-free life or can I drink normally and have this thing be a part of my life without it taking a toll on my mental health or my behavior and whatever else. And in this current moment, I'm going back and forth and keeping tabs on the days that I'm not drinking, the days that I am at my workplace, that sort of thing. At my workplace, I can drink. So it's something that can start to become a problem at the drop of a hat and anyone that struggles with dependency issues regarding alcohol knows it's a hard thing to step away from. And when someone is ready to finally do it, they put in the effort, they make changes, they have accountability in that area of their life. And for me right now, I'm very weak in all of those areas. So honesty is the best policy, I think. And so to talk about it publicly usually brings out people who message me and can relate to what I'm going through. And it kind of acts as an open journaling session, I feel like. Uh, So with all of that being said, though it's National Beer Day, the same day as National Alcohol Screening Day. And I love, I love, love, love beer. I love all of the beer-centered podcasts, all of that stuff. I also want to talk about this day and the event that anyone listening has had to have that conversation with themselves or a loved one about their alcohol consumption or may not know that they need to quite yet and just needs to hear some sort of conversation surrounding it. So 
like I said, I was going to release this on the actual day, on the actual holiday, but I don't know what week, I don't know what this week is going to bring and if I'm going to record my next episode this week. So we're just going to go ahead and release it and, and see how it goes. So here we go. So National Alcohol Screening Day was launched in 1999 by the National Institutes of Health to increase public awareness that alcohol abuse and alcoholism are recognized disorders which can be treated. And throughout this day, members of the public are invited to one of the many screening centers across the United States. It could be at colleges, it could be at your local health care department, wherever. The people who visit the screening centers are dealt with on a case-by-case basis. They are asked to complete a, a written self-assessment about their alcohol use. Healthcare professionals at the centers will then take their advice to the person concerned with said abuse, maybe, and see how it goes and get help from there. The first screening day in 1999 saw over 50,000 people visit the 1,500 screening centers throughout the United States for advice, which was higher than expected for college students that attended. Alcohol abuse can be high in college students who, while typically not dependent on alcohol, abuse it frequently, drinking in large volumes. And it's excessive, rapid consumption, that sort of thing. We all do it. We've all done it. We probably still do it now. We will in the future. Um, We all know about binge drinking. And in a follow-up study of Alcohol Screening Day, it was found that 44% of college students interviewed had consumed over four alcoholic drinks in a drinking session on one or more occasions within 30 days. For me, that's very few. That's very few drinks. Um, For some people, that's normal. And for some people, that's probably a lot. It just depends on the person that you are, I guess. Alcohol abuse can lead to many recognized health problems, which can include anxiety, depression, sexual problems, whatever. Where alcohol abuse occurs over a long period of time, there's an increased risk of developing certain cancers, liver cirrhosis, high blood pressure, and heart problems. If you listen to my other podcast about the dry month of doing the whole like dry drinking month, whatever, then I've already talked about this. Um, You can also Google it. So many health concerns, mental health concerns, that sort of thing. And yes, I'm reading off of the What Health website. Um, Check it out. I just needed some sort of reference for the episode. And I felt like, let me just pull this website up. And I couldn't have explained it better myself for the holiday episode. So if you want more info on it, you can Google it. It's probably word for word what I just said, but check it out. So for this episode, I did a little interview with my husband to sort of highlight the realistic aspects of being married to someone with an alcoholic tendency or alcohol dependency. And if you or someone you know has a questionable relationship with alcohol, even if they don't want to hear about it, bring it up. Talk about it. It's important. They may not want to hear it. They may be really defensive about it because I was but it's something that needs to be talked about. And if you think you may have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol, take a screening test or go to a meeting, see what it's like. I know people 
don't want to go to meetings and they don't want to hear about it. They don't want to think that they have a problem. And a lot of people my age in our 20s, in our 30s, whatever, don't think that they have a problem. It's a laughable subject. People laugh it off. They're like, I'm an alcoholic. I see it all the time in Facebook groups or on Twitter, on TikTok, whatever. We drink to numb things, that sort of thing. It's someone's always making jokes about it. And when it comes down to it, it's not really funny. It can be a real problem. So I wanted to do an interview with my husband talking about both of our alcohol consumption and how it affects both of us and our marriage or in the past. And so with that, I'm just going to go ahead and go straight into the interview. So thank you for listening. Here is the, the conversation between me and my husband regarding alcohol. Okay, cool. Thanks for letting me interview you. Of course. Or whatever. Or whatever. Okay. Are you ready? As ready as I'll ever be. Awesome. All right. How old were you when you first started drinking alcohol? Uh, Like recreationally or like habitually would be my question. Like, I mean, I had alcohol when I was in like middle school and high school. Like, So middle school would be the first time. First time I ever, like, had alcohol and got intoxicated? Yeah, probably. Well. But, I mean, I probably did it, like, once every, like, six months then. It wasn't, like. Why the first, well, did you drink in church? You're not Catholic, so. No, I didn't drink in church. (laughs) What was the, what was the situation? actually, we did drink on some (laughs) church trips, but those were not sanctioned by the church. Wow, wow, wow. What was the, what was the situation of the first time that you drank, if you can remember? Oh, man. Um, actually, I cannot remember the first time that I drank. Sorry, I don't have a... No, it's okay. How old do you think that you were? Like probably 13. 13? Yeah, probably probably 13. Yeah. I was 19, so... Yikes. Yeah. Waited a very long time to drink. Yeah. Yeah. So. You had a very sheltered upbringing. I did. I was very sheltered and overprotected, so... Yeah. Well... It's not all it's cracked up to be. Yeah. How did drinking at that age affect your life and relationships with others? Uh, I don't think that it had a negative effect on any of my relationships with anybody in that at that point because the times that I would drink was so far and few between that it didn't shape my personality. Like, it wasn't something that my friends didn't look at me different because of it or my mom or dad didn't know that I was drinking at that point. So there wasn't really any effects besides feeling like shit the next day i'm sure well you said you started drinking at 13 so how did you acquire alcohol at that age uh i mean like most people the liquor cabinet exists in one of our parents house and you would go get liquor out of that cabinet or something and you would drink a couple sips and you'd feel good and a few sips and feel good i think that's where i differ because my parents didn't have a liquor cabinet, at least not to my knowledge. My dad just drank beer. That was his yeah, alcohol of choice. I think that like my mom really didn't drink liquor at that point either. Um, but most of my friends' parents were males who would have some sort of like whiskey or 
tequila or something and a big one was vodka that like back in those days i remember my me and my friends would consistently get vodka i'd say the time i can start remembering what we were drinking um there was a group of friends and we would always uh get somebody to like hey mister at a liquor store for us and we would end up getting like one handle of taka vodka wait so people would actually buy you yeah, like oh, yeah. buy underage like that's a, a real thing oh yeah we would hey mister everything we used to hey mister cigarettes and alcohol all the time i just thought that was like in the movies <laughs> no i didn't think that actually worked in real life no we'd sit out there find a young person going in and say hey we'll give you twenty dollars on top of whatever the taka cost if you'll go ahead and buy us a handle and they'd go out and buy us a handle and when they got back out to their car they would just hand us the handle of taco we throw it in a book bag and then we're set for the weekend that's crazy yeah i think i the only time that i remember at going to anyone's house as a teenager and anyone having a liquor cabinet was when i dated my ex and like he would drink out of his parents liquor cabinet and then fill it with water which is like the usual thing to do i think i think everybody who did the whole liquor cabinet thing did that yeah i just at least not to my knowledge like i knew when when the first time that i saw my mom drink i was like what the hell and then because i just assume like oh my dad's an alcoholic so my mom must not drink so anytime i saw her drink i was like what the hell are you doing but we never had like a liquor cabinet to my knowledge it was always my dad had the cases of beer and i knew that he was drinking that and like i wasn't gonna drink beer that age so the first time i did drink was like at a party or something and i had like vodka cranberry and then from there i was working at zaxby's at the time so i would get like older people to buy me vodka and the one time that i took it home it was like smirnoff like the flavored smirnoff not the like mixed in a bottle or whatever but it was like the actual liquor that was just like flavored and i i brought like i brought the smallest not a handle, but like the smallest thing of it that you could home. And I poured it in this huge Zaxby's cup of like strawberry lemonade. And I got drunk at home and my mom and dad had no idea. I think they were both asleep, but I was like, Oh my God, if they found out I would be so fucked right now. Yeah. So yeah, I never had that like under eight. Well, yeah, 19 is underage, but to like sneak it, definitely not in middle school, definitely not in high school because i just like yeah i'm sure that the whole like hey mister thing didn't start i mean i can't remember that starting until like late freshman early sophomore year so yeah and i knew my parents always had eyes on me so like my parents assumed that when i went to like bonfires and stuff or like parties that there was drinking involved but i had the kind of friend group where we didn't do any of that at all and even if like the one person like my ex that did drink it never like rolled over onto anyone else. Yeah. So I was like, I was in a different kind of friend group at that time, I guess. So, um, yeah. Did you use alcohol as a coping mechanism or just for fun? At first, just for fun, for sure. I mean, I think any, if, you, if, if I look back on any of my drug or alcohol use and I'm going to tie drug and alcohol, drug and alcohol in the same category, just yeah. because it was the same period of life for me, period of time in my upbringing. 
I would say it started off as just being something fun to do, and then it became a crutch at some point, which kind of sounds like a cop-out, but like that's how it was for me. I remember just thinking that when we would be able to get our hands on weed or when we would be able to get our hands on anything else, um, that it was just like a fun weekend that we were going to have. And I think that switch probably happened somewhere around my sophomore year of high school where it became part of my personality. Like it became part of me. And at that point, it's no longer just for fun. It's a crutch. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I honestly don't think that I used alcohol as a crutch until probably a few years ago. Because even when we first started dating... Like we were still having fun, like at parties or at the apartment that I lived in, where the we were partying every weekend. It makes it sound like we don't have fun at parties anymore. We do. <laughs> we do have a lot of fun at parties. We're we're fun people to be around. We are. I would agree. <laughs> just the way you just said it, you were like, "We used to have fun at parties," and yeah, I know I said it like that. I meant it in the way that was like, what even before I met you or like we started dating. I lived with people where we would have parties on the weekend or parties after work, depending on who I lived lived with at the time. And even during the week when we would drink and have parties or on the weekends when we would have parties or whatever, I never had a sense of like, I have to do this every day or every weekend or that I even have to do it at all to have a good time. I remember there was a New Year's party where I lined up like six shot glasses full of vodka and put Skittles in them and threw them all back and like... I'd never really had an issue drinking at that point, but it wasn't until right before, probably right before the pandemic that I found myself like actually starting to have to depend on alcohol. Yeah, that's fair. I I think that for me, I never used alcohol as my specific crutch. Like I've never been hooked on drinking. I've never been to the point where I'm like, oh, I need to get some alcohol for tonight or drink tonight or it's always been a game time decision for me on whether or not I'm going to drink. And I think part of that like falls back on me watching my dad drink all the time. And realistically, I didn't know it then, but I know it now that I personally like being in control. And if I'm not, then my anxiety gets super overwhelming. Yeah. And if I drink too much, I'm no longer in control. Or if I do too much drugs or smoke too much weed or if I do any of that in accession, I lose control and I go through this whole depressive state and I've tried to avoid that a lot. Yeah. And it took me doing it so much when I was younger, which I'm glad I did because that way I'm not 28 with a drinking problem or a drug habit. <laughs> yeah. But... It took me doing all of that to realize, like, maybe if I keep going down this road, like, it's going to be bad. Yeah. And I think, too, like, because I didn't drink till I was 19, I started considerably late, I guess. And on that's another thing is where you saw your dad. I saw my dad. My dad's a raging alcoholic. But that was something that when I started drinking, I was like, okay, I have this totally under control. And while the addictive gene runs in my family, like, very rampantly, 
I realized at a certain point, like, okay, this, this is affecting me too. I can't avoid this. And I know that. And so a lot of people would think like, well, you either have, you either see the way that your parents were and you avoid it, or you see the way that they were and you still do it. And I haven't been able to avoid Yeah, you're that. definitely on the same path for yeah. sure. Yeah. Which low-key, kind of scary, kind of yeah. frightening. Yeah. I know we've talked about it before, but yeah, I mean, for me, it's, my my dad is a very, very highly functioning alcoholic. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that he's still able to get everything he needs to get done. He's still... But the thing is, is, well, for the longest time, so was my dad. My dad would drink. I know, and, and that's what I was getting at was is that, I mean, I know several people who are high functioning on weed every single day. And yeah. they're aerospace engineers. Like, they yeah. they can do that stuff on a daily basis. And I'm not saying that people can't do that like that, but there is like a certain person that is able to handle that. And for me, it's not worth me finding out what I'm functional on, which I'm sure I could probably fucking take pain meds every day and still go and do my job and never have an issue. Like always be on time, be respectful to people, get my job done and still be able to take pain meds. But I just don't want anything to be like a staple of me. I don't want to not have control over a situation because I'm fiending for something. Yeah. And it's weird. Like when I think about it now, like in this moment for a long time, my dad, as long as I can remember, my dad's always drank. And I remember specifically when it started becoming a problem. I remember all the memories that me and my mom and my brother had when she was pregnant with my sister And it became like a really bad problem. But my dad had the best work ethic. And so he could, at least of what I remember from my childhood, get plastered or have one of those nights where it was really bad for us at school the next day. But he could still get up at 4.35, go to work, do his job. And then one day it wasn't like that anymore. And I don't want to be like that. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's an inevitable race with uh, with alcohol specifically. Weed, not so much. Weed is something that I personally think if it's something that helps you medicinally, great. Alcohol is not a medicinal thing for the majority. Yeah. Alcohol, I mean, has its medicinal purposes for like sore throats and stuff like that, but it's not. But in that topic as well, because I follow a lot of like sobriety podcasts and tiktoks and i do a a fair amount of research the whole like red wine before bed helps your heart or it helps but there's so much research that has shown that to be not true and so in this society i feel like we're at least in america america has a huge like drinking problem in general yeah but when we start to have that kind of conversation about oh this helps your heart or this helps your ailment or whatever whatever it is it's a whole two sided thing because we've heard for so long that it helps these things. And in reality, I feel like it's kind of a cop out. It It is for people, people who who use that excuse to drink are absolutely 100% in denial to themselves of what's actually the problem of them drinking. But I mean, I guess what, what I'm getting at is, is that you can be high functioning on, on weed. You can be high functioning on alcohol, but it doesn't mean that it's not 
controlling you in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. And it might eventually catch up to you. And like you said, your dad was high-functioning with it as well and eventually just was not. And you never know when that day is going to be. You don't know if that's going to be tomorrow at 28 or if that day is going to be 10 years down the road at 38 and everything falls apart then. I never want to get to that point. I never yeah. want to even give it that opportunity, which yeah. is why I don't drink that much. And yeah. if and like, you've hung around me in the past five years, you know that I really don't smoke weed. I don't do anything. You may see me with one or two beers yeah. on a weekend. Even but- if we, like, because if we take it back, when we first started dating, we've, we started dating the year that we both turned 21. Yeah. And I was there for your 21st. Mm-hmm. And we drank a lot. That night we did drink a lot. We drank so much. Correct. And after that moment, I don't remember any time where I saw you really even, like we went to some parties and yeah, like you drank, but I, since that year, I, or maybe the next year and a half, there was some sort of like transition where you just didn't drink anymore. Yeah. And I mean, it probably happened slightly before my 21st birthday. I'm, and there is moments where I'll be like, yeah, I want to get fucked up tonight. Or like. But that moment has gotten farther and farther in between. When I was 20, 21, it may have been like once every two months. I'd want to be like, hey, let's go out and get drunk. Let's go to a bar and get drunk or whatever. Yeah. And that time frame between those drinks have gotten further and further away to where now it's like, I mean, the last time I got drunk, really, really drunk, had to have been probably, probably our, our wedding. wedding. Probably. probably. <laughs> I was going to say. Mean, it's, it's been probably two years since I've been well, we have been married for almost three years now. I'm just saying, like, it's at this point, it's what, two and six or two and eight months or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think the last time. I give it some leeway because there yeah. may have been one in between there where I got there was, drunk. There but... was a night out of town with with, with, your, with your friend, with your pal, where you almost missed a flight. Mr. Manston. Yeah. But the I think in all of our whole, like, relationship, our wedding night was genuinely the first time for me that i was like i i've never seen you like this i have no idea what to do in this situation yeah me either i don't I know how know. i'm gonna take care of this person. i didn't know either and that's <laughs> and my problem is for that- so long it was like you took i mean you always take care of me if you're home if i'm like every i time. can't remember the last time that i got like blackout or anything mm-hmm. it was probably during the pandemic yeah, probably. Like during lockdown or something. But... Uh, there's been a couple times. I, I can probably name a few where if like and and here's how I know you had a blackout night or like you had a really, really drunk <laughs> night is when I Don't wake expose up. Me. I you're about to get exposed. <laughs> is when I wake up at four thirty or five o'clock in the morning after I've fallen asleep oh, at no. two or three from us hanging out and drinking a little bit. And I'll wake up at four or five in the morning and the shower will be running. Mm-hmm. And you're passed out in the shower, and I'm, like, terrified at that moment because I'm like, oh, my gosh, she is literally falling asleep while she is laying down in the shower. That's my thing. Yeah, and then I'll come in there, and the water's, like, freezing cold at that mm-hmm. point because it's been running for an hour. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. There are some nights, some nights, and we'll probably get into this later, but some nights where it's been, like, three hours, and I've been in the shower, and I fell asleep maybe 30 minutes into getting in the shower, and then I wake up, and I can't feel my feet. Or they're yeah, so you've like been pruned before. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like I've, I've seen it all. I've I've seen it. I've That's projectile vomited in the shower. I've had yeah. friends clean up yeah. after me, yeah. but clean up. And I feel like because of all of those times that you took care of me, our wedding night 
that was the one night where I was like. I also told you on our wedding night that I was going to get drunk. Well, because I, I thought knew. I was going to get drunk. I was, I mean, it was going to be a good time regardless, but I thought if anyone was going to get fucked up, it was going to be me. And I had mimosas during our like getting ready time, but my anxiety was on such a high, like, I don't know. My anxiety was so high that I did not feel anything from alcohol. I drank not a lot, but enough to where I should have gotten tipsy or drunk and i didn't feel anything on our wedding day nice i finally got to the point where it was like all right finally this day's here it's done with i can release and i did and i think that's why i drank what the way i did was well all your friends were there and that you know you guys were having a good time yeah yeah i mean and everybody wanted to take shots and stuff and i'm such a lightweight or a whole bottle well it ended up being you drink a whole bottle bottle of crown i did i did i I drank a lot more than that i just don't know (laughs) what point all all i remember was drew basically came up to me i was like hey let's go take some shots and then our shots just kept getting bigger and here's another side note i feel like if someone hadn't have stolen our wedding food then perhaps we could have like ate enough to where we could have been fine true but someone stole our fucking food yeah we know you out there you're out there and if you stole it we know we don't know who you are. Don't let her get you with that. We do know that somebody. I have suspicions. You don't have suspicions. We don't know who stole it, but I will say this: do whoever we? stole it, I'm going back to Salem next October, <laughs> and I'm talking to a fucking witch. And I am telling you right now, we're coming after you because that was some good ass food. All of your offspring. We went to a tasting it to make so sure good. that you guys had the best food at the wedding, and someone stole it. Anyway, I'm not blaming my drinking on the. I, I know. I'm like, now we're making excuses. No, my <laughs> drinking was 100% my decision that night. Yeah. Um, but you yeah, had a good time. I did. I did have a good time. And I can usually hold my, my alcohol pretty well. Um, there For me, there's either one or two beers or there's like full tilt. And yeah, there's not really an in between for me. So normally, I guess, like you just said, like on our wedding day, it was full, full send. At 9 p.m. that night, from that point forward was full send. I don't think I stopped having I think a you were blacked night. out at 9 p.m. I think that like right before that, I wasn't drunk until the crown situation. Up to, up to that point, I can remember everything perfectly clearly. Like I, there's not a, a part before that that gets blurry. I remember the last thing I remember is standing at that bar getting the biggest crown royal drink mm-hmm. i've ever had in my life yeah and i remember everything after that so i do not so <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was a good time i'm glad everybody came thank you bye no, we're still gonna talk about <laughs> yeah, it actually because i'm still bringing it up so after that point in time i kept i had probably two drinks with me the entire night and then i don't know i guess like there was a point where we were on the dance floor because at the wedding, I wanted to dance the whole time. I did not realize as a bride that everyone would want to talk. And with Drew, people were toilet papering your car. What is it? TPing your car? Yeah, TPing my Yeah, car. TPing your car. People wanted to go outside, smoke, talk, whatever. I was inside dancing. I wanted to dance. I wanted to have a good time. I put that playlist together and it was there for me. I was there to perform and have a good time with my friends. But I was drinking... Never, never felt anything. True. I have ADD, ADHD, so I play with things. I literally cannot. (laughs) 
I cannot stop like fidgeting with things. And I found this little hair clip. And Every time that my we are on the podcast, there's always background noises. I know, and it's always my fault. I am no, well aware. No, it's okay. I'm well aware. Well, I was going to get I you a little fidget thing. I, I see the mouse that I played with last time over here, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm not going to touch it. And yeah. then like five minutes into this, I've already started playing yeah. this. It's clip. okay. Well, the thing is, like totally sidetracking, is that like I'll read comments on twitter that are like what makes a bad podcast and it's like background noises or saying um or like and i'm like well i do all of those things get used to it because these background noises anytime i'm on here are going to exist no i do all of those things and i'm very very guilty of the likes and ums i'm not gonna i don't edit any of the podcast yeah so just like chicago tony p it's a one run and done yeah, like you get what you get we're, we're not, not editing anything we're so recording things sorry if that bothers you but the whole like let's make a perfect podcast i'm like that's not me so you're gonna enjoy it or, or you're not going to so facts. either way facts big facts yeah anyway there was a time at the wedding where we were on the dance floor and i got my wedding dress to show some cleavage because i like my titties yeah. i wanted them to show but you we were dancing you came up to me spilled your drink right down my dress and started licking up my cleavage while my family's there everyone's there and i don't care but at that moment i was like my family's watching or so like there are people around blah blah and you were like i don't care i'm married to you and i'm having a great time you you were like i love you so much i'm so excited to be here and i was like i really love this for both of us yeah it was a good time but i was like i think you're really I think this is the most drunk I've seen you. And then it wasn't until the whole like sparkler situation that I was like, oh, he's actually gone. Like he's actually gone right now. I don't. And and I know people say like, oh, I don't remember this. When I say there is no physical memory of me walking down the aisle of people holding sparklers, I have zero. Yeah. Or the brain. time in the hotel probably. None, nothing. Because you threw up on your mom's bed. And... I mean, are we, we didn't, exposing me now? We're we're full send exposing. That's fine. Um, That's we didn't fine. sleep in the same room on our wedding night because, and which is fine. But like, you were so, and thank God your mom's a nurse. Oh That's my God! True. But like, you threw up all on her bed, lost your phone. We went downstairs. I think it was Chris Porter that went downstairs to see if your phone was in the laundry that you threw up in because we threw it out, and it was just like a whole thing. Like, where was my phone? Did we end up finding it? We did find your phone. Or was it? I think it was just in the room. It wasn't even like where we thought it was. But I was so thankful for your mom. So thankful that um I was sober because normally I'm the one that is not. And you're the one taking care of me. And so I was happy that you got to have that time for you. And I think that's probably why I got as drunk as I did was because I knew at that point there was enough people around me who cared about me that I didn't have to worry about. Everyone that cared about us was there. I know. I didn't have to worry about taking care of myself or like. But the ride back or the drive to Florida the next day. Oh, yeah. yeah. Was shit. Was awful. Well, I had a great time with Kip. Yeah. We had really good conversations. I'm sure you did. We did. Yeah. But I knew when we got in the car and you were like, I'm going to have to pull over every five minutes to throw up. Yeah, it was bad. that morning. And I was so thankful that that was not me in that situation. Yeah, so you skipped a very important part. So we didn't sleep in the same room. But (laughs) anyways, we didn't sleep in the same room. But I did wake up at like four in the morning and start yelling, where is my wife? And finally, I'm still drunk at this point. Um, You were drunk very well until the next day. Very well. Like maybe like three or four in the afternoon the next day, I finally started feeling hungover. And that's bad. Yeah. You can last like uh, that long without coming down from your. Yeah. 
veering alcohol poisoning, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I ended up like running downstairs and being like, Hey, um, where's my wife to the person at the front desk? And they were like, Um, we have like five rooms for you or six rooms <laughs> for you. I think she's in this one. And I was like, Cool. And he gave me a room key. And I could have walked in on any of our like groomsmen or people in our wedding party, would have not known. Yeah. But luckily, first try, got in there. First try, bride room. Wife was in bed, found her. So, did find her at like 4.30 in the morning. Yeah. Then we ended up walking down to like the river that's by the hotel and stuff. But Yeah, you wanted to fight a bear. Oh, that was that night before. Yeah. 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 But even the next morning, like we got up, went downstairs. Luckily, my maid of honor, Kimberly, the best, the best ever. She like had everything sorted out for me, had everything packed, had my dress packed and ready to go um drew woke me up and was like let's go down to the river and drew threw up like three times at the river yeah and that's fine but i guess that goes to show like you went so long without drinking i just you just like don't ever drink so that one night was your like fun time Mm -hmm. yep i just don't do it i don't know i mean i don't have anything against people drinking um it's just not for me. I, at this point in my life, I have too many ambitions and goals that I think alcohol would take away from or distract me from. Yeah. Or drugs in general would distract me from that I try to avoid them as much as possible. I just, yeah. I will hang out with people while they do them. I still think the people who do them are super fun and yeah, cool I, to be around. And hopefully I'm not like a Debbie Downer when I'm like, no, no. I don't want to drink. But like, no, you never have any judgment towards anyone that's trying to do anything. Yeah. So. If you want to do shrooms or pop pills or whatever, you're more than welcome to. I'm not going to judge you. I'll hang out with you while you do it. But It's a babysitter, if you will. Yeah. Then occasionally you'll get the random, hey, you know what? I'll, I'll dabble a little bit. But yeah. I've got to be in the right headspace and have everything kind of figured out for the week. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Okay, so... Has anyone ever worried about your alcohol usage at any point in your life? No, not my alcohol usage. Your drug uh, usage? Drug usage, for sure. I, yeah. I'm probably worried the most over my drug usage. Yeah. Um, And the reason I brought up pain pills earlier is that was my, that was my go-to. And it probably still is. I love taking pain pills. Yeah. And I'm sure that it stemmed from a point of where I was actually in pain. And would get pain pills from people. I'm not going to throw out any names of who I would get them from. But yeah. Yeah. They were very close to home. Yeah. And I would able I was able to get my hands on them. And I loved the, the feeling of taking a bunch of pain pills. Like more than you needed and getting high off of them. And I still love that feeling. Yeah. But you never do them. I don't. And even if you do, like the times that you have done them, it's never been like an issue because you know and like in the past like even though you had like a problem with them yeah you overcame that and people a lot of people don't think that that's possible they're like if you're an addict you're in an addict forever but 110 percent, i have all of my addictions minus nicotine and even nicotine i think i could kick but i don't really feel like it's negatively affecting me at this point um except for your health in the long run but like we're here for a good time not a long time that's what i mean it's like i'm not seeing any like 
massive negative effects from me vaping. But I think that I've got every single one of my other addictions under control. Yeah. And when, when that topic comes up for some people, it's really sensitive because they're like, there's no way. Like, if you have that problem, you can't do a pill. And if you can now, then it means that you were never addicted. But in a lot of cases, you can have oh, a huge issue with that. You were never addicted if you can take one now and not have a problem. I've heard that conversation. River is pitter pattering. River, place on your cot. <laughs> I'm like, good girl. He's like, uh, I'm ready to go right now. Yeah, I've heard that conversation of, oh, well, if you are able to do it now, and you did it back then and had a problem that you never really had a problem. You were able to, you know, do it in general. And I'm like, I don't think that's the case that because I've seen that. False. I've seen that in a lot of, a lot of people where it has been a problem, but they are able to get it to a point under control where it's like, okay, if I have to take this, I feel like you never do it recreationally. If you ever take pain pills, it's because you have pain that you are trying to subside. Yeah, now it is. At, at this point in time, I can take it. At, and even then, even if I was to take it recreationally now, I can still get, I'm still at a point now where I feel like if I took it one weekend and was like, hey, I got my hands on a couple of pain pills and I'm not in pain, but I want to take these. I still think I could take those once and do the same thing yeah. i do with alcohol or well, the same thing yeah. i do with anything i mean else. i've seen it like firsthand and it's interesting how some people are able to do that and have and maybe it's like a maturity or like growing thing but also maybe just like overcoming and knowing hey if i do any more of this it's going to be a bad night for a lot of us yeah yeah exactly i i think the knowing the place that it could put me keeps me from doing it again and i can break that two or three day cycle after doing it where i'm like i sure i want it i mean it's the same thing with like if you stop smoking the first two or three days you wake up after not smoking the first thing on your mind is grab a cigarette yeah and it's the same way when taking pain pills for me like the day or two after it i'm like and it'd be really nice to just like get fucked up and stay that way for the next few days but as soon as i have that thought i'm like but i know better yeah and it's just getting your mind trained and knowing better and being able to like stop yourself and it's the same way with alcohol it's the same way with everything else i'm sure i'm i can't say for alcohol because i've never been like addicted to drinking but i assume all addiction and is rooted in the same way like where maybe not first thing in the morning you think of drinking a beer but like after you get home from work i mean maybe you do i don't know Mm -hmm. some people do but maybe it's like every time you get home from work you're like oh i've had a long day it's time for me to drink and it's a matter of breaking that cycle of like saying i want to drink but instead i'm gonna do this yeah and when you are an addict that's pretty much out of the question and i feel like a lot of people don't have sympathy for those that are addicted in that situation where they're like, I have to do this. It takes a lot of work to be able to overcome that. Oh, yeah, it's willpower for sure. It's yeah. definite willpower. I mean, there's a lot of physical things you've got to go through when you're fighting an addiction. I and mean, like the withdrawals suck, but alcohol is the one withdrawal when you're coming off of alcohol, the one thing that will kill you in withdrawal. So um I've heard that from my doctor. I've heard that from people Well, well it's with with any drug if you're bad enough into it for sure you can die from withdrawals 
like for example, Lil Wayne is addicted to codeine syrup. He is so addicted to it and has been made himself so dependent on it that his doctor has to prescribe it to him because if he goes through withdrawals from it, it will kill him. His entire That's body, insane. yeah, because of how often from how lean? Much he's done it, yeah. Yeah, I took lean once and I was like, this is not fun for me. This is <laughs> yeah. more than I bargained for. That's codeine. That's codeine. And that's like 100% my drug. Like if I'm, if I'm at the black market, walking through the aisles of the black True. market, that's where I'm going. I'm, going, like, I'm, I'm going to the codeine. I feel section. like if people go to the black market, they're looking for a lot more than codeine. For so sure. For sure. That's definitely like the cheapest table at, yeah. the, at the place. But I mean, when it, I'd have to, I don't have like a ton of research like in front of me or whatever but i've heard this from my doctor and like numerous people that i've like run into and had a, a conversation about it alcohol is the one thing that like physically withdrawing from can actually can actually kill you and so i was told to wean off of it and then cut cold turkey if i'm when i told my doctor how much i was drinking and she was like i would i was not expecting that you were going to say that number or amount of alcohol she was like you need to one get like therapy and a psychiatrist but also like don't quit cold turkey because it can end up really bad and i was really surprised by that i didn't know that i also didn't know that about little wayne so there you go a little bit of information the more you know (laughs) yeah i mean uh, i definitely think there's a way of quitting for everybody and some people may be able to just quit cold turkey but yeah um yeah. Do what your doctor says. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah. At what point did you realize that alcohol wasn't fun for you anymore? When I could legally do it. I know it sounds mm-hmm. dumb, but like when I could legally buy my own alcohol. Which is when you say that, it's weird because when I started drinking, I was 19. And so like by the time I turned 20, when I was 21, I was on probation. I was not supposed to be drinking. Yeah. Because I got, I never told this story actually on, on any podcast. You don't show. have to tell it now. I mean, it kind of <laughs> ties in. I guess it doesn't. I basically got, I didn't get arrested, but I was at a bar with a friend who showed her fake ID, or it wasn't even a fake ID. It was a military ID because some places will serve you underage if you are in the military, and so she flashed it, and they said no. To each their own. Um, they said no. And they were watching us on the cameras the whole time. And we were going to the bathroom together. And granted, we did drink before because we were underage. So we had someone buy us alcohol. We drank a little bit. We had four logos before. And so I guess the alcohol content and that alone, like as I drank half of a four loco and I guess to be that young and have no, I don't know, prior drinking experience. We were in the car, got to the bar, did that whole shebang. They were watching us on the cameras, called the cops. We both got breathalyzed and breathalyzed under the legal limit for, well, I guess for underage drinking in general. And we were able to get picked up and not go to jail. But I was on probation for almost two years. And because I was honest, which honesty is the best policy, but because I was honest on my, I did do like a drug and alcohol evaluation. I was honest about my family history and whatever. And um, I had to go to like the ADAP classes for like a year. and. When I turned 21, we were supposed to, we were going to Disney and my probation, granted my probation officer was a fucking bitch. She was really rude to me for no reason at all. Like just 
so rude. I, I can't even wrap my head around it. She was like a bitch for no reason, but she was like, you're not supposed to go out of state, whatever, which wasn't true. But I, I wanted to drink on my 21st birthday. I was totally fine to drink or whatever, but even turning 21, like, I guess because I hadn't been drinking that long, it had only been like two years, maybe. Um, I still didn't have that sense of like, this isn't fun for me anymore. So, but you had been drinking since you were 13. So it's kind of that like feeling of, oh, I'm not supposed to be doing this. Like I can get this like secretively and this is fun because we're not supposed to be doing this. And yeah, I, only I imagine that because it was edgy. Such an edgy bitch. Uh, no, I, I don't know. I mean, it just, at, at that point, it just became less appealing. I appealing. Guess. Yeah. It just, it wasn't like, I didn't look forward to like partying on the weekends with my friends because it wasn't like, it was just doing it again. Like, I don't know how to explain yeah. it. You're just doing it because you can. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. Um, what was the reason or in general, why did you stop consuming alcohol? Like I said, because I never wanted it to be in control of anything I did. So that's probably why. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, how has my relationship with alcohol affected you? Negatively. Yeah. Yeah, negatively. That's my answer. <laughs> were you were you looking for more than that? Uh, I don't know if you wanted to say more. I mean, it depends. Uh, because I've seen so many people go down the road, like it's very worrisome to me. And when I say negative, I don't mean like, oh, it makes me like dislike being around you or anything like that. But there is definitely times where you get out of control and you don't know you're out of control. Yeah. Like I can see it in your eyes and it's like a specific point when your speech starts getting slurred that I know that it's at that point. And yeah. at that point I try to keep you from drinking more and like let you come down a little bit from it, but Yeah. Usually doesn't help. Yeah. Yeah, at that point it's usually too far. Yeah. But yeah. I feel that. Do you have any questions for me? Um why do you think you use alcohol as a crutch? And I don't want you to say, oh, because my dad did. I want you to figure that out on your own. I didn't start. I've thought about this before. Okay. I didn't start drinking because of my dad. Or I didn't start using. Once I hit that point of realizing I'm using alcohol for any sort of mental health reason, my excuse was not because of my dad. I know that I have that addictive gene. And I know that I got it from him for sure but I think that I honestly think that my job had a lot to do with it if it wasn't for me being able to drink at work it probably would not have gotten as bad as it has now yeah I think that was my one of my biggest fears and that's why I asked you to kind of not do it at work even though it never happened you've gone through like periods of time where you've like been better about it there's been there's been times where I've worked worked sober I know, but yeah, it's but hard. it's very far and few between compared yeah. to the other ones. And I think when it got to that point where you could drink every day, like, and it was acceptable at your job yeah. that you would do that. And that's another thing that had affected me negatively was having 
when I was home, the very few times that I am home, there was a span of time there for a while where I would get a call at four o'clock in the morning yeah. while I'm sleeping saying, Hey, I can't drive. I didn't blow low enough to drive my car home. Yeah. And then it's in a whole ordeal where I've got to go drive an hour, drive an hour, pick you up, take you back the next day to get it or pay $50 for a lift to get, take you back out to your car. And yeah. Yeah, that's it sucks. Yeah, that's there was a good a good time span where I was having to call you or pay for an Uber to take me home. And also because of where I work at, it's dangerous to get an Uber. It's yeah. dangerous to get a safe ride because the people that are picking up Ubers when I was working night shift and having to leave at four or four thirty in the morning, the people that were catering to those Uber rides a lot of them were not the safest people to be around in a car. And so that was another issue where I was like, well, if I'm going to work night shift, I'm going to have to. And I'm, I appreciate that we have to breathalyze before we leave. Yeah. One is a, I mean, safety in general, it's also a liability to the club, but that time span of where I knew I was drinking too much. And because now I work on day shift, if I drink, if I drink too much or too late in the day, I can stay over and I can stay over and work until I'm drink enough water and get sober, or eat some food and get sober. But I think that working in that environment didn't help me at all. Oh yeah, for sure. It didn't. It was a very, very. And if anything, tempting situation to be in. I think also from, I don't think that my drinking picked up until I was sexually assaulted and then from there I just wanted to forget about it it existed before then but it, yeah. yeah I think it, it definitely had its own turn after that point I think that I don't know for me watching it happen it, it kind of made me want you to not work at the club anymore and not do any of that. I know we had had that conversation a couple of times, but I don't know. I just, for me, I always like thought I've always been the person where if I see something that I'm doing is like really negatively affecting somebody else or pissing somebody else off, I correct that mistake as best as I can from that point forward and watching yeah. you continuously do it to me kind of fucking hurt. Like that's yeah. like knowing like we would have a conversation one week and then the next week you'd come home without your car and yeah. yeah. And I felt really bad. I'm still sorry for that because it sucks. Yeah, I know sure. it sucks. And like you would think this is a whole other conversation because you would think that how my family was affected by my dad or how We've seen some of our friends get in really bad situations, drinking and driving, getting in accidents, going to jail, doing that sort of thing. I've luckily never had that happen to me because I'm usually like, if I'm coming home from work, I have to breathalyze. So if I'm coming home from work, then I am sober to drive. But I know that it affects you or affects, I feel like you're the only person that it really affects. My yeah. friends, I've, at least in this age, all of my friends can handle their drinking on a level where I can't. Yeah. And I know that. And so I know 
the conversation behind addicts being selfish or people that have dependency issues being selfish, it's not that easy. And I wish more people had sympathy for that. Not asking anyone to be sympathetic of like me or you to be sympathetic of me or whatever, but like it's so hard to just stop and so hard to just quit and making those same mistakes over and over again. Eventually I got my shit together. And now, I mean, I can't remember the last time that we had to do that. Yeah, no, no, it's not, it's not nearly to the point it is now. I'm still worried about it. Cause I mean, and I'm not trying to like out you or anything right now, no, but fine. just like sitting here in the room, I can see two tall boy terrapins and another terrapin can over there on the yeah. counter. And like, there's been several times I've walked in here and it's the same thing, but with multiple cans everywhere. And, yeah. Or like going upstairs to take a shower and seeing like three or four terrapins in the trash can in the bathroom. Yeah. And it's like, I know you were in the shower drinking multiple yeah, terrapins. I do, I do like uh, shower beers, but going which back. Is, which is not necessarily a problem in itself, but it's like when you start seeing that every day or seeing yeah. that all over, that's when I'm. And I think going back to you asking. I guess why I use it as a crutch or like what's I don't remember at what point it became a crutch for me. I think the pandemic also the pandemic definitely like made it a problem because there were times where like my job at the time would do like happy hours and we would all drink and FaceTime and I would get so fucked up on camera and have screenshots sent to me the next day where I I have no recollection of any of the things I was doing on those calls or whatever. But I think too, like you've been traveling the majority of our relationship and to, to preface this conversation, it's not your, like, it's not your fault at all. (laughs) It's not, it's the, it's the way that I like cope with it. That is my responsibility and I have to take accountability for it. But I think that because I got so used to, once I got in the pattern of drinking a lot and realized like, I don't feel anything when I'm drinking or I feel these things when I'm drinking. And so when you're gone and I'm alone for what used to be like weeks at a time or now it's just like maybe four or five days at a time, it just puts me in a better mood, I guess, or helps me enjoy things. And I think once I realized that to when I was drinking, it helped me enjoy things better. It helped me consume more food it also aided in my eating disorder it helped me be less anxious at work it helped me be less stressed at work all of these things that alcohol has helped me when in reality that it i shouldn't have to use those to help me yeah i should be able to do those things on my own i agree and at this point in time as many times as i've i've done like the dry month things like the dry month challenges or whatever but as soon as that month is up, I'm ready to go again. Yeah, every time that you like tell me like you set a goal for yourself with drinking, the end goal that you usually mention is drinking again. And like that should not be the end goal. That's not the end goal. That yeah. is that's when I know that you're not gonna stop. Like I know yeah. it's not real to you yet. Like you haven't gotten to that point. And yeah. And every time we bring up alcohol and you and me, like one conversation we had, one of those times you called me and asked me to come pick you up from the club. And like, you could obviously tell the frustration on my face and we I were, can tell the frustration in your voice. Well, I, wouldn't even, I wasn't even talking at that point. Like I basically picked you up and we didn't talk the entire ride home. Yeah. And you were like crying and like, cause I felt bad. 
Oh yeah, for sure. And I wasn't going to let you yeah. not feel bad. I yeah. wasn't going to tell you, oh, it's okay. And I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm always genuinely sorry. And people are like, well, if you're sorry, you wouldn't do it again. I didn't say any of that. I did yeah. not say any of that. But you did ask me on the way home that night, you said, are you going to leave me? And I said, no, I'm not going to leave you. But then you said, if my drinking doesn't get better, would you leave? And, and I, you said yes. I said yes, and I would. And yeah. I don't think that – I think that conversation has stuck with me for a lot of reasons. And a lot of people say, well, it's your significant other. You should stick with them through whatever. And that's the point I was trying to make was is that I'm sticking through this right now with you to let you know that this has to change, that this is a massive issue for both of us. Yeah. And not just for me, but for you. And I'm here now. Yeah. But I will not but, always be if you keep abusing it. Yeah. And I know people say, well, if you really love that person, you would stick with them through everything. That is not healthy. That's not okay. And I know that that's not okay for me or for you. I don't want you to have to deal with that for the rest of our marriage or as long as we're together yeah. until we die. Or if I don't plan on things getting that bad. And I feel like I've cut back a lot. Yeah, I mean, I you don't hear anything from me, and and yeah. I'm very honest and, uh, and open. I will hear things. from you when you think it's a problem, so I know that, you know, I feel like I've gotten better at it. And if I didn't, then you would say something without a doubt. And, yeah, and that's and that's the point I was trying to get at was is that a lot of people say, oh, well, you should deal with whatever if you really love that person, you'll put up with it, whatever. And that's the thing is that that's not a healthy relationship like you said and also if it if it's something that has to do with like i know you said it's not my fault that you drink but if if my traveling is that much of a factor to you and it got your drinking to the point where it was worse where it was at your dad's level of neglect and anger and everything else followed suit with it yeah, I would I would have to leave at that point, but that would yeah. be not just for me, that would be for your own health as well. Yeah. And while it may make it worse for a little bit, I know for a fact that it, if it got to that point, you would need that alone time for you yeah. to go get your own help. And for me, like even thinking about that, like having that conversation and thinking about that, I because I I genuinely cannot see my life without you. Yeah. I know that I would never want it to get to that point. And even through all the times where I'm like I'm going to quit drinking or I'm going to do this or I'm going to cut back or whatever. Like it, it got to a point for me where I was like, I know that you don't like to be around me when I'm drunk. I'm not, I think I'm a fun person. And I've had other people tell me, I love you when you're drinking. Like you're so fun when you're drinking. And when you're around them, it's different. It's when you're different around for people, them. Yeah. It is very different for them. And, yeah. and I, I'm not going to get into why it's yeah. very different for them. But like when the door closes at the house, it's a, different yeah situation i think also because i'm not insecure around them behind closed doors when i get drunk and i'm around you i get super insecure yeah for sure yeah. i'm well aware yeah yeah and you start doubting everything about our relationship at that point yeah. when i have no reason to not our relationship is great not at all our relationship is amazing <laughs> i love <It's>, it <laughs> we have the best time but it's like and and that's I will when say, I say when I when I hear your speech start slurring and it gets yeah. to that point, I'm like, here we go. It's yeah. going to be another night of me having to convince my wife that I love her. Yeah. 
I mean, there are some times where we're watching Disney movies and I'm drunk or like anything dance like parties. that. There's fun dance times. parties. I'm we have some fun there times. Isn't. I'm just saying I know that that point, whenever it's like time to go to bed, yeah, and it's the same time every single time where there's a moment where it's like three or four in the morning and I'm like, I really need to go to sleep. Yeah, and I've got to spend an hour of you being upset at the fact that you think I don't love you or find you attractive, <laughs> and I've got to. Spend an hour of my life convincing you that that's the thing. Yeah. And I don't know why it happens like that. Every time. And it, it could be, like, probably past trauma from, like, my la- relationship before you that was over 10 years ago, which should not matter now. But at the same time, it's like, I know this is the one thing when I'm drinking. This is the one thing that I do that brings back every single bad memory. So why do I want to do it? But I also have a history of, like, loving sitting in my sadness. Or I love, like, self-sabotaging. Yeah, you do. That That's is, my toxic trait. Yeah, for sure. You, I'm not going to disagree with you. Yeah. You 100% will try to set your own self up for failure or talk yourself out of being great. Yeah. And I think, like, when I've, ta- when I've talked to my therapist and I've talked about this, like, openly to other people, I know that it's common it shouldn't be common, but I know that it's common and I know that it's the worst thing for me because personally, when I'm talking to other people and I'm hyping themselves up or whatever, I'm like, you're great. You can do so many great things. When it comes to me, I have moments of, I know I'm smart. I know I can do this. I know I can get through school. Oh, yeah. I know that I can do anything that I want to. When I'm drinking, I'm like, I don't think I can do this or what if my husband, cause you travel and if it wasn't, if it wasn't for my dad traveling and doing all the things behind my mom's back that he did, I know you're not that kind of person at the same time. My brain is like, there's a lot of other people out there who I meet that are also not that kind of person and they still do stuff behind their partner's back. I know that I never have to worry about you doing anything at the same time when I'm drinking, that's all I can think about. Yeah, I know. I'm well aware. You will make sure that I am well aware of it too. Yeah. And like you'll like you'll do that at two or three in the morning while I'm out of town and I can't like talk to you about it yeah. or like talk you off the ledge of thinking that I don't like you or love yeah. you anymore. And yeah, that's not fun. And that's why I think like it is a major toll on our relationship because yeah. while you may wake up the next morning and apologize and remember like completely different than what had actually happened i am the sober one that has to deal with those repercussions every single time yeah yeah and you're sober and thinking about all those things and i'm like at the same time when i'm sober the next day i'm also thinking about those things and i'm like if i could just stop if i could just stop drinking we would not have that's the only issue that we ever have is i think my my thoughts and my self-doubt when i'm drinking i mean i'm not gonna like say that is or is not the only issue i mean are there more not that i can think of but i'm not gonna (laughs) say like our only issue is you drinking (laughs) our other issue could be you like not knowing how to cook with the air fryer fryer (laughs) or that's the main one that's the one that's gonna <laughs> or like not putting apart. your laundry in the actual basket when you should be doing yeah, that or whatever I, I do pretty good job i mean i'm pretty good i mean you're doing better now but whoa 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 whoa, 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 whoa. cut it out yeah i think that 
my only other question for you is that what is your plan for the future for you and alcohol? Like, where do you see yourself by the end of this year with alcohol? Yeah, I think my plan, I honestly don't have a clear vision because the past year, past year and a half has been me going back and forth with, should I get, I don't want to say, should I get sober? Which is, I mean, probably the accurate question. When I think of like, should I get sober? I'm always thinking of someone that's like on drugs or doing pills or something like that. When in reality, alcohol is just the same. I think of, am I at the point where I need to go work towards an alcohol-free life? And I've gone to AA meetings before and did not like them. And it wasn't because I felt like I don't need these or... I'm not at like going to the meeting and being like, oh God, like these people are way worse off than I am. It was going to the meetings and being like, oh my God, that if I don't get this shit together, this is going to be me in 40 years yeah, from now. Yeah, you're going to be the 60 year old in there talking yeah. about how it's ruined their entire life. Yeah. Or the 60 year old that I'm six months sober or I was divorced 20 years ago and I'm still in love with my ex and I wish I could have gotten sober then to fix everything. It's, I think by the end of the year, what I would like to accomplish because I've done this over and over again, where I do like the sober months or I go a few days and I'm fine. And then I drink again. I have come to the conclusion that I'm not like a one and done or have a few drinks to have a good time. It's I'm all in or I cannot drink at all. And I think that I'm that person that cannot drink at all. And so I would like to get by the end of the year, get into that mindset of like remember what your purpose is before you start drinking remember how you act after you drink remember that you can't just have two or three drinks and then you're good i would eventually like to get to the point where i'm not drinking at all and i think that's probably my goal going forward but i've said that numerous times before and it's super hard to get there and there have been times where i've thought that i need to go into an inpatient place or do an outpatient kind of treatment. And a lot of people are like, I don't see you as that. I don't see that being an issue. But when you're gone, you probably don't see that. But when you're home or even when you're gone, there are times that it's probably like that. How my brain works and with my like mental illness issues, I guess, I know that I've gotten to my own rock bottom and you don't have to get to a rock bottom to get help. But no, you definitely can get help before that. In my case, I think that I've already been there so many times that I know all it takes is one more night and I'm ready to go somewhere. Yeah. And I don't want to get to that point where I'm in a room of four walls where I can't do anything. But if someone told me today, like, hey, I'm going to pay for you to go into an inpatient place and you're going to get help and we're going to do this then I would do it. That's fair. I mean, if that's what you think you would need, I would help you go through that path. And I know I've told you, like, whatever you decide you need. Yeah. And there have been times where I've hit that spot where I'm like, tonight is the night. I'm going to go find somewhere. And I've been on the helplines. I've been on the suicide hotline. I've been on the addiction hotlines and searched all the places that I could go for inpatient that would work around my job and do all that sort of thing. And I think when it gets to that point of like, 
you're looking for those things, then that's when you know that you have an issue. Yeah. And I've already hit that point like numerous times. And um, it's just something that I'm, I feel like a lot of people are like when an, a person with a dependency issue or an addict is ready to get help, then when they're ready to get help, they will say it and they will start showing their actions. And I have not done that yet. Yeah. I'm just not there yet. And I don't think it's because I think, I think it's because like I'm scared to live a life without drinking because I know that I'm not going to be as comfortable with myself. I'm not going to be as comfortable at work. But that's, that's, that's the short term, the short term. You will have those self doubts. I am more clear headed and happy with who I am as a person now that I don't do a bunch of stuff and you'll get to that point too. Yeah. Um, because like and i know i will because i was like that for before, 19 years before i and even, did it even at the beginning of our relationship you were still fine yeah i mean for years into our relationship i was fine without having to yeah. have a substance to help me and i don't know at what point it turned to where i couldn't go a day without thinking that i needed to have something to drink to be okay yeah so i think i guess that's my goal for by the end of the year is to and there's a part of me where like I feel like at our age too when someone stops drinking the whole at least for a female the whole like pregnancy question comes into play <laughs> and there are some it's really silly but there that are some times where I'm true. like if I am not drinking at a party like if we're at a party if, if we're at a party no or we're at a bar or as many strip clubs as we go to if I didn't go out and drink yeah. Or especially at a family function, I don't want to have that conversation of, no, I'm or just not drinking. Yeah. yeah. Or are you pregnant? Because I hate having that conversation. Yeah, it's not the same for guys, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> guys can just say no to things and there's no questioning it with females. If you're not drinking or doing something, it's like, there's oh, no is there motive. a reason that you're not doing that? Yeah. And, and I was like, like, yes, and it's none of your fucking business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I wish, I mean, I don't know. I just like, even that one Thanksgiving with your family where it was just like a joke that I was pregnant, but I still felt really insecure about it. Yeah. And, um, I just don't want to have that conversation. So. Yeah. And I mean, you can always deflect. It's just like, but I also think telling my family, I've only told maybe two people in my family, maybe three people that like, Hey, this is an actual serious issue. And like maybe two of my friends where I'm like, I need to be held accountable because I can't do this on my own to tell my family that because since all of the cousins and the siblings got to a certain point of age, it was like, okay, let's bring alcohol into our family situations or let's do this. And I still want that to be a thing, but I just don't want to have that, like that need to feel like I have to do that when I'm there or have that conversation of like, I'm not drinking because I literally can't handle it. Well, I mean, it goes along with like, you obviously know your family situation and I'm not going to like dive into other people in your family, but there's other people in your family that struggle with things that alcohol being at an event could also trigger Them. not just you, which yeah. other people as well, but the alcohol is still there. Yeah. But you have got to get to a point for sure that that can be there and you not partake. And I think it, it might help honestly that I am, not a big drinker like i don't drink so like 
I don't, I wish I could like help you just like follow my lead of like saying no to drinks or. Well, I watch you and it's so easy for you because (laughs) one, like trained into my brain now to like not drink. Yeah. And I think too, like you're very secure in our relationship. Very. Because like (laughs) you're hot. I love you. Like you're my favorite person. Thanks. But like you don't have any worries in our relationship. I mean, neither of us do when i'm drinking i do when you're drinking you don't and so it's so different the way that we respond to alcohol when we consume it yeah and so like you can go and you can have a good time and then wake up the next morning and not want to keep drinking or not like every single day that i wake up and i know i'm gonna go to work i'm like the first thing that i want to do when i get to work is buy a drink or find someone that's gonna buy me a drink or when I'm at a family function or a party with our friends, like my first thing is like, I need a drink in me so that I can kind of like loosen up and be more comfortable. I don't have a reason to be uncomfortable around my family. They're a lot of fun. Yeah. But I, it, I don't know. It just used to never be like that. I, I can't pinpoint the time that it just like took a turn. So that's something that I have to work on. I agree. Yeah. And I don't want to like, I will never tell my family or friends at a function like, hey, don't have this here because it's it's my own account accountability and like responsibility to be able to say no. Yeah. And other people handle it responsibly enough to where yeah. you're kind of a dick if you're like, hey, I can't control myself. So I need you to do it for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's- I shouldn't have to have that conversation with anyone. So yeah, yeah. It's kind of an asshole thing to do. But yeah. at the same time, like. If if alcohol being in this house, if it gets to that point, or if if it start started getting to that point, like I would probably crack the whip at our house of not having alcohol in it. Like there have been times where I've had like a, I've bought a, bought that's not a word, where I've bought it like a case of beer, or I've bought a a bottle of wine or two bottles of wine, and I've had a drink, and then I get super mad that I like broke my my streak or I'm in a, a mental state where I'm going into a manic episode. I'm like, this is not what I should have done. And I'll take a, something that I just paid a lot of money for and I will pour it down the drain Yeah, and then I'll go. Or there've been times where I've thrown before I had to pour it down the drain. I've just like thrown it in the trash and then I go back in the trash and yeah. I get it out. And that's when I was like, okay, that's an issue for sure. But I don't want anyone to have to feel uncomfortable or think that like, I also don't want to be like treated differently for anyone thinking like, Oh yeah, she has a problem. And so we can't do this. And another thing from my point of view, from the whole thing where I've asked you several times, like, Hey, or you'll make a comment about, Hey, I only want to have like one or two drinks tonight. I'll, say do you really want me to hold you to that or hold you accountable for your drinking we'll get to a point where it's like that and that's another hard thing for me as well is that sure if we could go out with our friends and i could eagle eye you and make sure you're not drinking and then when i'm gone i can watch the cameras and make sure that you don't start drinking at home but at the end of the day like you shouldn't have to do that like as an adult you shouldn't have to do that and like times that we've gone out or we've gone to a friend's house and you're like you're the designated driver and i'm like cool then i'll have two drinks and then i'll drink water because at work i'm accustomed to doing that i can drink and and then drink water there yeah 
They're, I've never, yeah. never has that ever. There's never been time. one time where I, because at work I can do that and then I can drink water and eat food and blow zeros to go home. But when we're at a friend's house or a party or we're going out, there is a part of me that takes advantage of knowing that you don't drink. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I can sneak a drink here or I can have a few more drinks and I know that in the at the end of the night he's still gonna drive home because he doesn't trust me not to drink. <laughs> yeah. So Yeah. That comes I guess that comes with the You abuse the, abusing yeah, my relationship. Ab- abusing yeah. the <laughs> abusing the relationship. Abusing my relationship with alcohol of being like, okay, I know that this person has me. And at the end of the day, you're you don't trust me enough because I haven't shown you that I'm able to not drink. Yep. And so that's that's all on me. I totally understand that. Yeah. Yeah. I still do it. I'm sorry. It's okay. I know it's hard. Well, do you have any more um do you have any more questions or thoughts or Yeah. One last one. One last <laughs> question. <laughs> one last thought. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No. Why not? I feel like I just personally don't think it's a sandwich because it's like why? I mean, yeah, it's in between. Describe a sandwich. A sandwich has meat and condiments in the middle. Yep. And between two pieces of bread, which yes, so does a hot dog. But I feel like it's not the same. You eat them differently. If if someone was had a hot dog in front of them and started explaining it and was just like, okay, yeah, then it would be a sandwich meat with ketchup and cheese that's gross for a sandwich who eats ketchup on any sandwich name give one hamburger or something that's what i was expecting a hamburger is a sandwich yeah why how is it not here's the thing are you how don't no don't are you trying to look me dead in my face and say that a burger is you're gonna sit here and tell me that i'm wrong here's the thing no 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 no. you're not getting away from this yet look me dead in my face and tell me that a burger is not a sandwich i personally feel like a burger is a burger it's not a and like yeah some people would say this is a sandwich but i personally feel like there's different categories of that kind of meal a burger is a burger a hot dog is a hot dog a sandwich is a sandwich when i think of a sandwich i think of like subway and like you're my phone is dead but i really want you to look up the definition right now the definition of a sandwich let's go define sandwich so it's basic it's most basic term i don't know how to i don't actually know on my laptop where the like thing is oh it's right here define sandwich Sandwich, an item of food consisting of two pieces of bread with meat, cheese, or other filling between them, eaten as a light meal. Yes, eaten so, as a light meal. Yeah, so a hot dog. So if you're going to sit no. there and tell me that a hot dog or a burger is not a sandwich, you are wrong. You are absolutely wrong. So if you, okay, well then the definition of a sandwich is wrong. That's not a how, light meal. Yes, That's a it whole is. meal. Yes, it. No. Okay, there is no difference in filling on your stomach. From a hot dog to a ham and cheese sandwich, there's no difference. As a light meal, it's saying that. A are you is saying a light that meal. you're more filled up from just a standard hot dog than you are from a ham and cheese sandwich? No, what I'm saying is, okay, an item of food consisting of two pieces of bread, meat, cheese, and another filling between them, eaten as a light meal. A sandwich is not eaten as a light meal. Neither That's is a what hot the dog or a hamburger. Is. The definition is eaten as a light meal. Of but a hamburger is not. 
A sandwich is eaten as a light meal. A hamburger is not. Yes, it is. It's the same thing. No, a hamburger is... Go to the Vortex. A hamburger is really filling. Read everything except for the light meal part. One more time. But that is what's included. everything. Okay, what about the verb? Oh, no, the verb doesn't count, actually. Why? Okay, a sandwich is a food typically consisting of vegetables, sliced cheese, or meat placed on a placed on or between slices of bread or more generally any dish wherein bread serves as a container or wrapper for another food type an item of food consisting of two pieces of bread with meat cheese or other filling between them eaten as a light meal yeah and that's what i'm saying is that a sandwich and a burger are the same thing no yes they are a sandwich is like a snack a burger is a meal a sandwich is a, a light meal. That basically means a snack. There's no different. If you took a cheeseburger patty, if you took the actual beef patty with cheese on it and then swapped out the type of bread that you eat it with, that is the only difference between what you're saying is a sandwich and a Okay, well then, burger. is a wrap a sandwich? It, and according to the definition, it said anything that uses it as a container. I personally feel like the definition is wrong. But that, but that, a wrap wouldn't be because it's not between two pieces of bread. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, it says I see that. The definition would put it there. So now we completely disagree there, and you're wrong. It's fine. No, I'm not. Okay. I, it, no, you are. It's fine. It's, okay. We'll move on. But my next question that comes stems from that is cereal soup. A cereal cold soup. I don't feel like this is a conversation we have to have. We do have to have it. You have to, I mean, I have to did know. you get that from Joe Jonas? No, I didn't. Okay. Is cereal a soup? What is defined as a soup? Yeah. Let's define soup. That's what I'm getting at. Because is that we have to make I clear just, lines in the sand here. Also, speaking of sand, did you know that it's called sand because it's like the meeting between... The sea and the land. Hmm? Hmm? Did you know that? I didn't know that. Uh, now you know. Thanks. Isn't that crazy? Soup. A liquid dish typically made by boiling meat, fish, or vegetables in stock or water. No, a cereal is not a fucking soup. Okay, by definition, it would not be a soup. I agree. Okay, by definition. Then do you think that cereal soup? No, I don't. Okay. Well, I thought that you did. Or second definition, a substance or mixture perceived to resemble soup in appearance or consistency. No, I feel like cereal is not soup. It's not soup. the same consistency at all. No, no. I agree. I agree. Cereal some soups soup. some soups and cereal are the same consistency. It just what? depends on the thickness. Like what? Like, it. De- let's take your family, for example. They made chicken and dumplings. Yeah. Which is not a soup. It's just a dish. Why? It's boiled fucking Not meat. to my family. To my family, it's thick and hearty. Biscuits kind of got that gravy kind of like consistency going. Whereas your family, which, and it was really good. So there's like, I'm not like comparing one or the other, but like your family makes chicken and dumplings in a soup consistency. It's like a chicken noodle soup kind of thing. They have dumplings, they have the chicken, there's still a broth, there's still the carrots and the vegetables. However, that's not correct. So the actual chicken and dumplings that I know by my family like the where the broth is it should be more like like thick you know i love it when it's thick me too like a thick consistency thick so juicy thick juicy chicken yeah no that's that's another example 
Hot dog is a sandwich. Cereal is not a soup. No, I said hot dog is not a sandwich. I will throw something at you right now. I get that the definition, yes. Okay, that's what we're going off of. Just the definition. By definition, is hot dog a sandwich? Fine. I'm going to look up other silly hypotheticals. It's not a hypothetical. Okay, perhaps not. But, like, I still don't feel like... To me, a hot dog is a sandwich. Whatever. Hmm. Fine. I guess that's the end of it. I, I thought you were going to ask me hypotheticals. I did, but the silly hypotheticals that I looked up are not that silly at all, actually. So the first one. What is the first one? Um, if a tree falls in the forest mm, and no one's around sound. it. Is that what it says? No. The first one says, if you were the emperor of Earth, what would be the first rule that you would make? Uh, um, No pants. No pants? No hard pants. No hard pants. No Here, hard pants. Oh, well, I've got a question leaning off of that. Kind of personal. Okay. Let's say that we go, because we've been to Key West. Yep. And so we know that during the... There's a wild month yeah, or a wild nude, week. Nude month thing. I per... Like, I personally would go to that. Yeah, I would. Would you go to yeah, that? For sure. Like, together? Yeah. So, if, like, no hard pants or no clothes in general, would you go to a nude beach? Yeah. And Okay, you would go, but would you participate in the nudity? Yeah, for sure. I'm pretty positive I already have in the Bahamas. What? Yeah. When? When I was, like, really young, like, 13 or 14 years old, I'm pretty sure. Is there not a law, like, against, like, minors and nudity? I mean, I don't know that I remember. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, we, we we didn't stay very long. Well, I guess like, and here's the thing with nudity is that like there are like places out there where that's like not a big deal. Like it's not sexualized. People equate nudity with like the nude being beach sexual. Is not, like a sexual thing. Yeah, it's just people I'm sure there doing are thing. them, but like it's not. There are definitely like swingers beaches and like sexual. Yeah, but that's beaches. not what this was. This was not yeah. that. And ninety-five percent of the people out there were very unattractive people. So it's like that. Okay, you don't have to add that in. Well, I'm just saying, like, it's not. You're not going out there, being like. Oh. No, go ahead. I'm just saying you're not going out there to like hook up with Fuck people. On yeah, the beach. no, you're not doing that. Or as. Well, no, that's not the same. Okay, last question. Yep. Because we have like eight minutes left. This yeah. is this is pretty huge topic. If you could immediately solve any unsolved mysteries in history, what mystery would you choose and why? How were the pyramids built? Because aliens. No. That's the that I already answered. It's not unsolved. That's unsolved, though. That, that's not a. Theory. I feel like in my brain, it's not unsolved. I already know. Okay, well, just because you have a guess, you do not know for fact that the aliens did it. I want that's to know. Fair. I want to know how the pyramids were built, and not just the pyramids themselves, but like all of the structures from that time period that are like within thousands of years of each other that were all built in a very very strange pattern on the earth which is whole rabbit hole yeah i i feel like that's fair i would still go to say that i don't know actually you know what i changed my back um is god real don't get me started that's what i'd want to know i'd want to know if you know as non-religious as i am the one question that someone said was like 
Well, if we've been around, or if God's always been around, then who created God? I think about that a lot. Yeah, for me... It's not that I don't believe in God. I believe in my, you know, thing. For me, me, when it comes down to the whole, like, creation thing, it's like, there's laws of physics that prevent us from creating matter. And matter, obviously, was created to exist here. So something outside of the realm of science had to have existed before. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's where I get my whole, like, I have... I hold on to that. That's something that can't be changed in my mind. Like when people say the big bang thing, the thing is, is that matter still had to have existed for that to be a thing and matter can't be created or destroyed as we've learned with science. And that's the thing is that like, if matter cannot be created nor destroyed, then what has always been around? What do you mean? Do you see what I'm saying? Like then what has been around? Does that make sense? Yeah, like for me, God is not matter. God is well, God matters, but not, God is not made of matter. So, like, what was the creation of God then? What do you mean? Like, it, he's not matter. Always, he's outside. So there's of, no time span where it began at all. What do you mean? What, like, like where God existed? Yeah, and then all of God. a sudden he was like, "Well, let me just create some shit." Yeah, I think that God has just always been. Yeah, that's the thing that like. For me personally, because I am not, I'm not anti-religion. I just believe in like all religion or that people have all of their religions. I think when you think of like, because you have to have something that existed outside of science, like God, I think that God exists outside of not only science, but also outside of time and also outside of every single concept that we have in our brains. And that's how I feel about what I believe in, which is like multiple gods and goddesses and the universe and all that kind of stuff like it's just always been around and so it's like always existing regardless of beginning or ending of time if that makes sense and that's my super short show and then my i well i didn't get to answer my unsolved mystery that i wish could be solved and it's gonna remain a mystery thank you guys for listening no thank you for listening to that little interview or a little conversation between my husband about our alcohol usage and the realistic, I don't know, the realistic conversation of two married people who have to deal with that. Um, If you got this far, I know it's a long episode. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Um, But with it being the National Screening Day and National Beer Day, I just wanted to kind of have an episode about two people and a realistic situation and what it's like. And if you are having this sort of conversation with your friend or a loved one, anyone in particular, if that conversation is familiar to you or if any of those situations are familiar to you, then um, yeah, maybe have a talk with someone. If you're worried about someone, talk to them. There's so many hotlines out there. There's so many places to get help out there. So if you or someone you know has a not so great relationship with alcohol, then I encourage you to kind of evaluate that and see where it's going. So thank you for listening. I know it was a long one, the longest one I've done in a while. So yeah, I appreciate you. I hope you guys have a good night.
Thank you for listening to that little interview or little conversation between my husband about our alcohol usage and the realistic, I don't know, the realistic conversation of two married people who have to deal with that. Um, If you got this far, I know it's a long episode. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Um, But with it being the National Screening Day and National Beer Day, I just wanted to kind of have an episode about two people and a realistic situation and what it's like. And if you are having this sort of conversation with your friend or a loved one, anyone in particular, if that conversation is familiar to you or if any of those situations are familiar to you, then um, yeah, maybe have a talk with someone. If you're worried about someone, talk to them. There's so many hotlines out there. There's so many places to get help out there. So if you or someone you know has a not so great relationship with alcohol, then I encourage you to kind of evaluate that and see where it's going. So thank you for listening. I know it was a long one, the longest one I've done in a while. So yeah, I appreciate you. I hope you guys have a good night.